passage. Open your Bibles tonight to Mark chapter number 10. I don't know how in the world that I arrived at uh, the thought of the message tonight. It was uh, one of those things that uh, this afternoon as I was thinking about the service tonight and thinking about several different things I've had on my heart in some way or another, uh, this, this is it. I'm not sure exactly where I'm going with this, but uh, but I, I, I know what's on my heart, and I want to share that with you. Mark chapter number 10, I want to speak to you tonight about serving successfully. Serving successfully. Every week all across America... In different venues, there are conferences going on and workshops and so on and so forth pertaining to the matter of success. How we can, how can we, we can be successful? We live in a day where people, you know, now have what they call life coaches and uh, different organizations to help people through their difficulties. And so there's a lot of time and effort being put into, into becoming successful when in reality the average person does not really know what true success is. Now, it's one thing to be successful, let's say, at playing baseball. You can be a success uh, in baseball. You can be a success in the business world. You can be a success in the entertainment world. You can be a success in all of those different given areas, but that does not make a successful life. And that's what we're talking about here this evening, and that is uh, being successful, and there can't be any success without without service. And uh, I've often defined success as discovering the will of God and doing it. That That's it, in a nutshell. I don't care what else... You know, you want to add to it, you can't take anything away from that. You have to discover God's will for your life and do it. The biggest problem that we're going to see here in just a little bit, the biggest problem is that we are, as a general rule, overly concerned about ourselves. And and by the way, that can be a, that can be a problem for the best of people, regardless of who you are. Uh, you can be someone that is just, I mean, been faithful to God for years and years and years, and you can be someone that, you know, has a position in the church and so on and so forth. But uh, too many times the thing that gets in our way and hinders us from really being successful is that we're too overly concerned about ourselves. And uh, so as we look at this message tonight, Hopefully, it'll just be a good reminder of what it means to be a successful servant. Look at verse number 20, 28. And then Peter began to say unto him, that is unto the Lord, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. The, the first most obvious thing about a servant is servant serve. I mean, you know, that's indicated by by their name. They're servants. They're people who serve. So if we if we're not serving, well, then we're you know not not successful as servants. But whenever we talk about serving God, automatically a lot of different things come to mind. We might think about 
serving God uh, uh, as a missionary. Uh, somebody says, well, you know, serving Lord, that, that means you're, you're the pastor of a church. Or maybe it means being a deacon. Maybe it means uh, teaching a Sunday school class. Maybe working in Awana or serving the Lord doing this or that. And so we can describe our service for the Lord in a lot of different ways. But what is service for the Lord? Well, I think it's summed up right here where he says, We have followed thee. That's what Christian service is. It's following the Lord. We're to follow Christ regardless of what the cost might be. We're to follow Christ regardless of what the conditions might be or the consequences or the circumstances. So regardless of whatever else we do, we have to follow the Lord. And that's why we can't define Christian service as preaching and singing and giving, although all of those things might be involved in it. For me to be able to serve the Lord means I have to do the will of the Lord. Now, I can preach anywhere. I can, you know, preach in a different state somewhere. I can pastor a different church somewhere. But that doesn't mean I'm serving the Lord, because if I'm not doing the will of God, then I'm not serving the Lord, even though I'm preaching. And and my preaching can be scriptural, by the way. I can preach the same sermons, you know, that I preach here. I can preach in some other state to some other people and what have you. But still, I'm not serving God. And so so when it comes to serving the Lord, it has to do with following the Lord. And that relates not only to to preachers, pastors, missionaries. That relates to every single one of us. This morning I was talking about Romans chapter number 12, and it speaks there about the body of Christ and that we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. What are we presenting ourselves to? Well, you say uh, presenting ourselves to the Lord. Well, but how do you do that? You do that through presenting yourself, as it were, in such a manner that you become involved in the body of Christ. In other words, you assume a place, as it were, as a member of the body of Christ. Now, that means that as a member of the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he deals with that extensively, as a member of the body of Christ, then you have a specific function designated for you. We can't all be the right hand. We can't all be the left foot. We can't all be the ear or the eye. Each one of us has a different job. And and if we're going to serve God, it's not just a matter, and some people got the idea, well, I'm serving God if I just come in and just do something, do anything, then I'm serving God. No, you're not. You're not serving God unless you're following God. That is, doing the will of God, and the will of God for you might be different than it is for me. I could spend every Sunday back there in the sound booth, but I wouldn't be serving God because God has called me to do this. Bubba could come up here and preach and, uh, and, and, and preach scripturally, but he wouldn't be serving God because that's not what God called him to do. Am I making sense? When we talk about serving the Lord, when we talk about being successful, it's doing exactly what Peter says here, and that is that we are following the Lord. So regardless of what you do, regardless of what religious activity you're involved in, if you aren't 
following the Lord, then you're not serving the Lord. A lot of people in this day and age, Christianity has degenerated into uh, into entertainment. Uh, it, you know, people enjoy going to church. They affiliate with the church. They go every Sunday. It's kind of like a hobby to them, and they really enjoy it. Uh, I can remember several years ago, and this is really a popular thing in a lot of the southern states, and that is a lot of people are so attached to the singing groups like the Gaithers, for example, and they follow these different groups around and wherever they go, uh, you know, they, they'll show up there at every concert that goes on, but not at church. I remember sitting in the visiting room of a hospital and uh, somewhere or another we got the conversation going, everybody sitting there and talking and talking about certain singing groups. And this one woman said, you know, said, I don't go to church anymore. Said, that is my church for me. You know, how pitiful that is. I mean, look, the Lord, the Lord has determined that we serve Him according to the pattern that He has given in the Word of God. And that includes the Lord's church. So if I'm going to follow the Lord, if I'm going to be a successful servant, I've got to do the will of God, and that includes me doing my part in the church. And isn't it a wonderful thing to know that He has something for you to do? There's something for all of us to do. And we just need to discover the will of God and do it. Uh, so, so many times people depend on the pastor uh, or somebody to guide them and designate for them something to do. And so, you know, there's going to be an opening for Sunday school teacher, and, you know, I guess Bubba and I are supposed to go around and say, yeah, we got an opening for Sunday school teacher you want to try out, or, you know, you want your name on the list, and uh, you know. And so if you don't give them something to do like that, they think there's nothing for me to do. You need to pray about it. Listen, if you don't have a heart for what you're doing, it's not going to work anyway. We can appoint you as a Sunday school teacher next week or an Awana director, and it's not going to work if you don't have a heart for it. And the only way that you're going to have a heart for it is for you through prayer is to discover what God wants you to do. And and a lot of times, and Bev can tell you this over the years, different people have come to me and come to her. And and a lot of times they go to her because they want to, you know, they want me to get the message, but they don't want to come to me. And it's usually, the conversation usually goes like this. You know, we need, we, we need to be doing this or that. And the church I used to be a member of, you know, they had this ministry where, you know, if people were sick, there was, you know, that people did this, people designated. And uh, so, you know, our pat answer anymore is good. Why don't you start that? Just start that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, just do it. And what they really mean is, I wish somebody else would do it, but I don't want to. Well, if you don't want to, then don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. So serving God, regardless of what you do, is following the Lord. That's doing the will of God for your life. Now, not only that, but notice here in verse 28 also, being a successful servant not only means that you have to serve, but it means you have to sacrifice. Peter said, we have left all. And he wasn't lying. We have left all. So following Christ always involves giving something to follow Him. 
And in the giving of something, whether it's the time, the energy, the talent, whatever it is, in the giving of something, we have to leave something. Whenever Peter said, we left all, I just got a, I got a strong idea that he had fishing nets dancing around in his mind. He was thinking about his vocation as a fisherman, and he was thinking about, you know, they had left their nets and began to follow the Lord. That was his business. And so they had left all of that behind. And let me tell you, that's not always easy to leave something, because if we're going to follow the Lord, then we have to leave something in order to do it. And there are a lot of people that are wasting their lives just because they are not willing to make any sacrifices. And true greatness, true servanthood demands devotion to duty. And boy, we ought to thank God for those who are willing to sacrifice for the sake of others. Thank God for those members that are willing to give of themselves. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about giving of yourself in every way imaginable to give of yourself. You have to leave something. And, uh, boy, whenever the Lord called me to preach and, uh, you know, I've, I've often mentioned different things about that time in my life, and I, you know, I hate to bore you with the details, and I'm certainly not a perfect example. But all all of my life, and I'd already quit playing what we call AAA softball, and was playing in a in a semi-pro baseball league. Both of those. So here I was working a job, supporting the family, playing ninety some ball games a year. That, that's a lot of ball games, by the way. And uh, in, in addition to that, you know, my hunting, my fishing, all of those other great, big, important things. But all of my life, I, I had wanted, because I loved to quail hunt, but I'd never had a really good quail dog. And finally, finally, at long, those things cost some money. But I got a really good deal on an exceptionally good quail dog. And boy, I, this is wonderful. And boy, I'm telling you what, it, she was a good dog, great dog. And, and lo and behold, I end up getting saved and surrendering to preach and realize, well, I don't have time to go hunting anymore. And uh, in, in order for me to do what God wanted me to do, and I know it seems like just a little petty thing to you, but it was a big deal to me to say, hey, you want to buy a dog? <laughs> And, and, and I sold my dog. You've got to give up something. You, you see, there's always a price to pay if we're going to be serious about serving God. Those of you that are involved in ministry here, there's always something you have to give up. I think about Brother Barry and his poor health and how difficult it is for him to to, uh, to be here. He's struggling a lot more than uh, than most people have any idea and certainly needs your prayers. But whenever we think about Barry, you know, getting here week after week after week and going out and working his regular job, there's a price to pay for that. You know, whether you have to leave the job early or whatever, he's got to be here, got to get things organized, got to keep things going. There's a price to pay. And successful service demands not only that we're serving, but that we're willing to make sacrifices in order to get the job done. The other day in one of the morning manas, I printed the story that I'd read some time ago about uh, 
about a fellow, and this was in one of the far eastern countries in, uh, I think, one of those island areas where the people uh, subsided on rice. And, I mean, that was the crop. That, that was what they depended on more than anything. And this fellow had been extremely successful. His barns were full. I mean, he just, uh, I mean, everything was going great. He was high up on this hill, and he felt the tremor of an earthquake, and he looked out, and he noticed the ocean itself as it began to recede, and he knew there was about to be a tidal wave, and all of those people down there in the valley and that was working their crop, they're all down there. I mean, they're hard at work. They have no clue what is about to happen. There's not going to be any warning, and he has a warning. So in order to warn those people, this fellow goes out there to his barns. It was full of the rice, and it was dry, uh, it's tender, and he goes out there and sets it on fire because he knows he can get their attention. So he sets, he sets his entire crop on fire, and all of a sudden the people see the smoke and they know what's going on. They know who is up there. They know that his crop is on fire, that he's losing everything he's got. So they ring the big gong that, you know, like the fire bell to get everybody's attention. Everybody goes rushing up the hill to help this guy who has just burned everything he has in order to get their attention to save them from the tidal wave. And so when they get there, they realize that they owe their very lives to their benefactor, this man that had been willing to give all, and they erected a monument in that man's memory that said, He gave us all He had and gave gladly. You see, that, that, that farmer had, uh, in the eyes of the community, had been a success by any way that you want to measure it. Because here's somebody willing to make a sacrifice and lose everything they've got in order to supply the needs of somebody else. People are more important than things. And there are times that in order to serve God, there are times that we've got to give up things, personal things, you know. that, that, that there, there are some of you that... You know, if you wanted to, you could go out and you could get this and you could get that and you could do a lot of things, but it would drain you to such an extent that you wouldn't be able to do what you do for the Lord. And thank God for those that are willing to make those sacrifices, not just in material things, but the sacrifice of your time and and your energy and all of those things. But that's what it takes. Now, notice in verse number 37 something else about a successful servant, and that is a successful servant is someone who's not selfish. Now, let's start in verse number 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we desire. (laughs) Well, we talk about success following the will of God. Notice they've got it upside down. They've got it backwards. Lord, we want you to do what we want you to do, whatever we desire. And he said unto them, what would ye that I should do for you? Because you know they've got something in mind. 
And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. Now, here is a warning to all of us. Regardless of how good we are or how much we do for Christ, none of us are perfect. These are good men. These are men that had left all to follow the Lord. These are men that that loved the Lord, that wanted to serve the Lord. And of all people, you would think that James and John, you would think they would be exempt from something like this. But evidently, at this point, they are more concerned about their gain than they are about God's glory. You know, and if our motive is pure, we're not going to care who gets the credit. You know, they want one on the right hand and one on the left hand, and we want to be exalted above our brethren and what have you. Like, you know, we're better than they are, we're higher than they are, and so forth, and we're more successful than they are. When we're operating with a pure motive, we don't care who gets the credit. That's not important at all, as long as God gets the glory for it. But keep in mind, this is a horrible, terrible, awful time for them to even bring up a subject like this. If you read there in verse 33 and verse number 34, the Lord announces to them that I'm going to Jerusalem and this is what's going to happen. He says, they shall condemn me to death and deliver me to the Gentiles and mock me and scourge me and spit upon me and kill me. Remember, he, that's what he's headed for right now. This is one of those wow moments where you feel like saying, you've got to be kidding me. With all of this going on, how in the world can you possibly be thinking about self? How can you be thinking about what's in it for me when Jesus is about to give his life for you, you got to be kidding. Don't be too sure that you've never been guilty of something like that. Because so many times we put ourselves ahead of things that are more important. And that, that's what they're doing here. Oh, this, this was the time for them to be cooperative. This was the time for them to be understanding. This was the time for them to let the Lord know, hey, we're, we're by your side and we don't understand all of this, of what you're doing. And, and, you know, we, we, we want to know that we love you and that we're praying for you. And no, they're thinking about who's going to rule and reign, who's going to be exalted. Servants ought not to be selfish. They ought to serve. They ought to sacrifice. Now notice verse number 37 again where he said unto them, they said, Grant unto us that we may sit one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy glory. And Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Now, for you kids, I, I, I want you, he's not talking about regular water baptism like we think of it. Baptism, the word baptized means immerse. And, and what he's saying to them is, you're asking to sit on my throne, the right hand and the left hand, and to be exalted. 
but can you endure what I'm about to go through? Can you be immersed, as it were, in the suffering that I'm about to go through? And then notice verse number 39, And they said unto him, We can. Boy, it's amazing how dumb smart people can be sometimes. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal shall ye be baptized. Now we know that this is just one of the many examples where the Lord was up front and honest with His followers about the fact that they were going to be hated and despised, they were going to be persecuted, they were even going to be put to death. So it's not like he was getting them to follow him under false pretense, that if you'll come and follow me, that'll be the solution to all of your problems, you don't have anything to worry about, you know, I'll just take care of everything. No, he said, you're going to follow me, but remember the... The the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. That's the way it's going to be for you. They hate me, they're going to hate you. They're about to kill me, they're going to kill you. And, And so he brings them face to face with the fact that to be a successful servant, they have got to suffer. And boy, history provides us a long record of the suffering of God's people. Those that suffered horribly for the cause of Christ. If you've never read, and it's, unless you get a modern updated version in modern English, it's very difficult reading. But if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you ought to read that. It, it, it just gives the record of many in years gone by that suffered horribly at the hands of their persecutors. Boy, you know, so many times we think we've got it rough. <laughs> Let me hear, we don't know what rough is compared to what some of those poor people went through. The horrible, terrible suffering they went through. But that, listen, that's all a part of it. Because serving God doesn't exempt us from our troubles and our trials. In fact, in a lot of ways, it makes life more difficult, not easier but it's worth it. It's worth it in the end. Because look at verse 43, and here we see that servants are rewarded. They're the, they're the real heroes and the real stars. Verse 43, but so shall it not be among you. He just talked about, in verse number 42, about, you know, the Gentiles, you know, ruling and lording over one another. And he said, I don't want it to be that way among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. You see, the path to greatness is through Giving, not getting. It's in serving and not being served. You see somebody, you know, that's got a huge amount of money. They live in a mansion on the hill. And, you you know, you see there used to be a program on TV called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And you see those people, you know, and man, they've got all of those servants and what have you. And you look at that and you think, boy, you know, those people are really successful. 
No, they're not. That doesn't make them successful. What makes them successful is to be serving others, not to be served. Now, that doesn't mean, look, it doesn't mean they can't have what they got and be successful, by the way. It's the love of money that's root of all evil, not, not money itself. By the way, I think probably if the truth is known, there's probably more poor people that have a problem with that than there are rich people. I mean, you can be as poor as possible and, and still have a covetous spirit and a love for money. But whenever it's all said and done and we come down to the very end, those that are truly successful are those that have served and they're the ones that in, in glory that are going to be exalted. By the way, guess what they're going to be doing in glory? Serving. Serving God day and night. That, that, that's what they've done on earth. They've been successful. They've been faithful. That's what they love to do more than anything else. You know, sometimes somebody that's not really in the will of God, somebody that's not in attune to His will, and somebody that's not concerned about His glory, they look at somebody else that's giving so much time to church ministry or so much money to the ministry of the church, and in their mind they're thinking to themselves, look look at, look at how they're wasting their money and wasting their time. They're just throwing it away giving it to the church. You see, they don't understand that whenever we make an investment like that, it's just that. It's an investment that pays eternal dividends. And and for the person that is truly a successful servant in glory, they're the ones that are going to be exalted to that glorious position of what? (laughs) Being a servant for all of eternity. Now, there's one more thing I want you to notice that ties in with this. And I think this is something that we too often forget, but look in verse number number 45. And the Lord says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give His life a ransom for many. I read that this afternoon and I thought to myself, it, it, it almost seems strange that after all of this discussion and it comes down to this, that he chooses this precise moment to remind them of what he came to do and what he is letting them know in no uncertain terms that every servant was once a slave. And I came to redeem you. I came to set you free. Think about that for a little while. If you think the Lord is asking too much from you whenever He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and you think to yourself, that's so unreasonable that God would expect so much out of me, and then He doesn't even give me exemption from troubles and trials. That just doesn't seem fair whatsoever. Let me tell you what's not fair. It wasn't fair that the only perfect man who ever lived was spit upon and mocked and beaten and nailed to a cross. That's what's not fair And He did it for you and did it for me. And He delivered us 
from our enslavement of sin. He redeemed us unto himself. And that's why Paul said, you're not your own, you're bought with the price, and therefore glorify God in your body. And I'm telling you, remembering what Jesus has done for us will encourage us like absolutely nothing else can do. Thinking about what He gave for us is a motivation for us to give our all to Him. I mean, after all, how can we hold back when He has given His everything for us? I don't know exactly what God wants you to do. I know God wants you to serve Him. I know that by serving Him, that is for you to discover the will of God and do it. I know that much. But I don't know exactly what God would have you to do necessarily. For some of you, it's clear. For some of you, you're engaged in service. You're doing exactly what God wants you to do. But maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, you know, I, and there, listen, there are folks like this. They say, you know, I love the Lord. I really do want to serve the Lord. But I don't know what to do other than to come and to sit in the pew and to just listen to the sermon and sing the song. I don't know what to do. I want to serve God. You start praying about that. Every day, Lord, show me, reveal to me, open up the doors of opportunity, reveal to me what you want me to do. And if you'll be, listen, if you'll be serious, if you'll be sincere about that, you mark it down, God's not the author of confusion. He's not going to leave you out there in a state of limbo letting you wonder about it and you know what He's going to do. He's going to make it clear exactly what He wants you to do. Now listen, and I'm through. What He wants you to do might not be the thing you've been wanting to do. A lot of times, you know, somebody says, you know, I, just, I love to teach. Man, I love to teach. I just can't wait until one of those teachers quits so I can get a class. I love to teach. That's what I want to do. Just waiting for the opportunity. Maybe God doesn't want you to do that. Maybe God has a different plan for you. Maybe God's plan for you is to get out here and to beat the bushes and invite people to church or to visit people in the hospital or to... Whatever, I I don't know. But I do know there's something for every single one of us to do. And if you want to be a success in life, discover the will of God and do it. Regardless of the cost, the consequences, the circumstances or anything else, devote yourself to doing that and you won't have to worry about whether you're a success or not. And he tells us, and boy, the, the, he goes on and on and on in several different places and right all over into Luke, and where he says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. And what measure pressed down, he says, and shaken together and running over, men shall give unto your bosom for the same measure that ye meet. With all it shall be measured to you again. And he's just trying to motivate them and let them know, Hey, you can't outgive me. Whenever you give yourself in service to me, it's going to pay off as an investment in the long run. So there are no losers among those that are dedicated to serving the Lord. Discover the will of God and do it. Don't let anything stop you. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank you for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. We realize, Lord, how unworthy we are. 
And that were it not for you, that we'd be, even at this very moment, we'd be in the bondage of sin. At this very moment, we'd be condemned to an eternal hell. And Lord, we're so thankful that you delivered us. You forgave us. You delivered us. And we're so thankful for the wonderful privilege we have of being able to have a part in your kingdom work. And Lord, I just pray you'll impress upon each and every heart here tonight that there are no small matters when it comes to serving you. That whatever it is that you would have us to do, it is of utmost importance. And so, Lord, tonight I just pray that if someone's here and they're confused about what they should be doing, I pray that you'll just help them to understand exactly what it is that you would have them to do by way of serving you. And, Lord, that you would just give them the strength and the wherewithal to do it with all of their heart, like the fellow that burned up all he had, that we might do that and that we might do it gladly for the sake of others. For we pray in Jesus' name. Now let's stand together.